Good day, course participants. This week we are discussing mega trends. And with me today, I'm very privileged to have one of our famous professors in the Department of Education Management at the University of Pretoria. He um, has retired now, but he's still very much um, working with various universities and also at the University of Pretoria, working with many of his postgrad students. He also played a vital role in terms of the development of our PGDIP NTVET program. So today with me, I'm very, very privileged to have Professor Johan Beckmann with us today. Welcome, Prof Beckmann. Thank you, Tom Young. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening, participants, depending on when you're going to listen to this podcast. May I just begin by saying that I trust that you and yours are all safe and healthy in this lockdown period and that you will receive the harmless uh, to carry on with your life and also carry on with your studies. Now, if we talk about megatrends, the first thing to remember is that that places us right into the world of change. So megatrends, strategic plans, all have to do with change, and that is the framework from which we depart. Now, we all know that the world is forever changing. There's always instability. We have to take risks and there are uncertainties over many things. So, if we talk about mega trends and strategic plans, we will be right in the middle of the world of change. Now, the moment we say change, it means that you have to have leadership and management that can lead and manage the change. And that is where this discussion should be helpful to you as managers at your colleges and as people who want to change your institutions and your sector for the better. Now, just to latch on to what I said about how the world is forever changing, I consulted uh, an author from Austria by the name of Stefan Zweig and he talked about the times that he himself experienced and said that you could divide them into three periods. There was an age of certainty when everybody knew what was going to happen tomorrow, next month, next year, 10 years from there, 
They didn't expect wars, they didn't expect famines. Everything was very certain. After that, they became aware of the possibility that things might not be the same all the time. And what then followed was what he calls Zweig, what he calls the age of insured certainty. And during that time, people tried to buy certainty for themselves through things like insurance and so on. But he ends his book by saying that we have now entered the age of total uncertainty. And to put that into perspective, he said that in 1944. Uh, you have to remember that's just after World War II. Another author that also provides some insight on change is Harari, a professor from Jerusalem, who makes this important statement that over the last century, people have achieved the impossible. He says, people in the world have kind of got famine, hunger under control. He says that people have learned how to control plagues like the coronavirus and that they have also changed the shape of war. He says it's not likely that we will have another world war, but that all conflicts will be of a limited nature. Then he goes on to say humans are the only species in the Earth's history that changed the entire planet. And, and this is a religious note from his side, he says, we no longer expect any higher being to shape our destinies for us. And he carries on to say what is going to happen in the future. And he says, success will breed ambition and humankind well, next, seek immortality. In other words, humans think that they can move to an age where all humans will become very old. And he believes in science that could even take us to a stage where we will kind of eliminate death. I know that sounds hard to understand, but that is from Harari's perspective. And he says that we now have a belief that we are bound for boundless happiness and divine 
powers of creation. Now, I just want to point out one thing right at this stage, and that is that one should be critical of whatever one reads. Now, Arari bases his argument on the constitutional right to life in the United Nations Declaration of Fundamental Human Rights. He says it begins with the words, everybody shall have the right to life. And then he goes on to interpret it as meaning, yes, we can develop things so that everybody will retain the right to life forever. But that is a flawed argument. If you look at that statement, it really is just about protecting the right to life of people. It does not give people the right to eternal life. And that is uh, the introduction. Thank you so much, um, Prof. Prof. Beckman. So, as we also discussed, um, you know, considering these mega trends in terms of the strategic plan, what would you say is essential um, when formulating a strategic plan? All right, I'm, I'm going to be very practical, and I'll look at it from a manager or a leader's point of view. And just to say the first thing that you have to remember is that a strategic plan is not a plan you make every day. In your office, you may have to decide whether you will pass a learner and you will maybe have to decide on what pen you want. Those are usual everyday decisions. You have to make plans, lots of plans every day. Now, these everyday plans have a single focus normally. It is just to solve one problem. Maybe students are restless. These plans are short-term, and that is the usual management. But a strategic plan is not like that. Now, let me try and describe it. And I'll try and, and stress the various components. First thing is, it is a special plan. Doesn't look like an everyday plan. And it's a plan that is made when an organization faces big challenges. And it is challenges that require an organization to transform the organization with a concerted or purposeful, well thought out and comprehensive long time plan. And what is the plan about? It is to transform the critical elements of an organization within a certain time frame, can't take forever, 
to reach a vision that has been formulated for the organization by its leadership and stakeholders. So and immediately see a link between a strategic plan and a vision. And you can also see that the strategic plan contains a number of sub-plans within it. The next thing to say is a strategic plan is based on a strategy or plan of action and what is a strategy it is a means of getting to our vision right so you see again the idea of a vision is terribly important in talking about mega trends and strategic plans it's not an everyday single plan but a strategy contains a number of plans that co cover a number of areas or critical elements of an organization. So a strategic plan has to include plans about a number of things in order for the organization to be transformed. And then I list some of the things. A strategic plan will include a plan on finances. And you will know as TVEC managers that finances from government are becoming less and less. We know there is inequality some students can afford the tuition, others can't. And we know that investments in higher education institutions are not a very attractive thing at the moment. And you can imagine that after the coronavirus, this will become worse. Because what are we going to prioritize for spending to restore our country after the virus? The next item that should be in your strategic plan is infrastructure, buildings, computers, and so on. Then a very important one is human resources. Now some of the resources I consulted says one should think about things like crime, corruption and unemployment. It's very sad that it actually says before we appoint somebody we've got to be careful that this person is not a criminal, is not a liar, is not corrupt. And then a strategic plan must also make provisions for the institution's relationships with the community and with industry and with other stakeholders. And then what I leave for last is to say that strategic plan should 
provide for teaching and learning. Uh, I've almost finished with this. And I want to make a very important point. Everybody who will be expected to execute the plans must be involved in designing the plans from the moment we start talking about plans. Then we should also, before we formulate our plans, collect as much information as possible about our situation from the literature, from networks, and from colleagues that we have. That is, uh, I hope, a kind of description of a strategic plan. I thank you so much, Prof. Beckman. That's very helpful. Um, just shortly, what would you consider as the objectives then of a strategic plan? Uh, yes, that, that is, a, I think, a bit easier to answer, but I don't think the uh, answer means that it is less of a challenge. But I would say the objectives of a strategic plan are first to change or to transform or to restructure an organization such as a T-Red College. Now why restructure and change? It is when it becomes necessary to address new or other aims that you have been pursuing. Another reason why I have to change is to remove what is not effective. And the last objective is to become an organization that makes its vision come to life and develops and becomes known for its own unique, identifiable qualities. A certain TVET college can become known for doing space research. Another one can become famous for retraining old people. And I think it would be a good idea if every TVET college could formulate a slogan for itself that expresses to the world what it wants to do. Now, I could give you some, world, uh, some slogans from the world of industry and see if you recognize them immediately. There is a slogan called, or a phrase as follows, a taste that stood the test of time. All right, that is Castle Lager beer. But you see, the beer wants to be known as that taste that stood the test of time. Another organization has the slogan, how can we help you? That's F&B Bank. And 
with that thy side thy try to help people. Another one is slogan is a real help, real fast. That's Medi Clinic. So it gives you an idea of what that clinic is about. Another one is accountable, incorruptible. And that's a political party. Cope. That's what they say they stand for. And another one that you might find a bit amusing is helping South Africans get over their fear of the dark. <laughs> that is ESCOM's slogan. <laughs> and another one is tomorrow starts today. Wonderful slogan, I think. And that's the slogan of Telcom. And the last one is, with us you are number one. That is the slogan of engine. Okay. Your vision or your uniqueness may be expressed in slightly different terms, but that's the idea. You must give people an idea of what the special contribution of your institution is. All right, in short, the objectives of a strategic plan is that it aims to realize a vision and to establish a unique identity for an organization. You will have to ask the question, what makes our institution unique? And I just want to throw out a challenge to you. After you've compiled your strategic plan, come up with a slogan for your organization. And please, it can't be the same as the vision that all 52 colleges have. It must be unique for every institution. So when, if we talk now about the vision, uh, shortly, what would you say is a vision in a strategic plan? All right. Vision, you, you can uh, all work out for yourselves. It has to do with what we see. But in this case, it's not something that we see with our eyes, but it's a picture that we construct in our minds. We construct a picture of what our organization will look like after we have transformed it in the organization we want it to be. So a vision, something that you create about what your organization will look like after you've changed it. And then closely related to that vision, um, what would you say is the mission then of a strategic plan or in a strategic plan? Uh, thank you. I think this is a good question. As people, I think, sometimes confuse a mission and a vision, or they use them as interchangeable. But basically a mission just describes what an organization does. 
and what it will be known for. So just it means what are we about? What do we do? <coughs> Thank you, Prof. So um, I'm going to finish this podcast here for now. And in our um, next podcast, is basically the, the second part of this podcast, we will discuss more in terms of the, the connection between strategic plans and megatrends. We'll see you just now. Dear course participants, um, welcome back for our second part of the discussion in terms of megatrends and your strategic plan. So I'm still with Professor Johan Beckmann and um, furthermore in the previous podcast we discussed a strategic plan, a little bit of an introduction in terms of megatrends, visions, missions, etc. But now we're going to move into exactly what a megatrend is and how this is fitting into a strategic plan. Would you kindly elaborate for us, Prof. Beckman? It's with pleasure and welcome back, participants. I hope you survived the first part. Now, what is a megatrend and how does it fit into a strategic plan? Now, let me just say megatrends are not always used in the development of strategic plans. And I got this idea of the importance of megatrends from probably the uh, most innovative leader in management and education that uh, the world has likely seen, and that is a professor from Finland. Now, uh, what he does is he never uses SWOT analysis. And I would advise you also not to do the SWOT analysis, the strengths and the weaknesses and so on, because all of those consist of our personal opinions. But a megatrend is something different. Now, let me say, what is it then if it is not just a SWOT analysis? Now, you know we do SWOT analysis so that we can follow up from there and develop a plan. A megatrend gives us information that we can use to develop a strategic plan. Now, the bad thing about megatrends is there's no one singular definition of a megatrend. The definitions differ from writer to writer, from country to country, from field of activity to field of activity. I'll just give you two examples. One is Naisbitt. He is the one who first used this concept. 1992, he said the following, a megatrend is a long-term transformational process with global reach, a broad scope and a dramatic impact. Right? I hope you can see how uh, important 
uh, this is and how many implications it has. And then Mallory says basically the same. He says global trends, that's another word for mega trend. Okay, you all know the word mega means big. So it's not just a small trend in a college or a country, but it's a big one. Global trends are long-term. That's exactly the words that Neisbert used. Globally significant events. You see, these are not just limited to where you are, but it brings you into the picture of what goes on in the world. And they manifest themselves in short and medium term through risks and uncertainties. Now, what a mega trend means to you is that it will give you options. It will make you think. And there are risks and uncertainties about all of them. So making choices about megatrends and how you're going to use them is not easy. But if you use them correctly, it's a very fruitful exercise. Now, Mallory says, put simply, the likelihood that a global trend will occur is 100%. And that's a lot different from all the scenarios that we have, all the predictions global trend will occur. Well, I'm sorry, I think Mallory didn't know about the coronavirus. So I would say the likelihood that a global trend will occur is 100%, except if there is a force majeure. In other words, an act of God that changes everything and nobody could have predicted the coronavirus. Now, next one is, while there are many such trends, and we just put up two authors, I would recommend that you read Nysbert if you can. Nysbert and Smith, actually, in 1992, to give you a broader um, picture of why they were developed. Now, while there are many such trends, each industry, also TVET, each country or each individual picks the ones that they will prioritize. So this is not a wave coming from the ocean, rolling over us, something from which we choose. But we need them, and we need to use them to our benefit in designing our strategic management and leadership plans. We must use them to make our plans better. So how should we feel about megatrends? Not afraid, but we should see them as assets, something valuable and not as barriers. And the list of megatrends that you've seen will show you that all of them, or some of them, 
will definitely influence TVET systems. Now, I'm not going to talk about Malarray's six uh, megatrends, also not about Juada and from the rest. Should I had mentioned eight of them? Because you, you can read them. Um, you can ask the next question. I thank you so much, Prof. Um, so in this report by Shadaha and Fundraised uh, in 2018, um, as you said, which the course participants are reading, a number of megatrends are outlined, and this is specific in terms of higher education sector and how this is connected to the influence it might have on this sector. As you refer to these, to the six megatrends um, Malarit discusses, kindly discuss the most influential from all of this in terms of specifically in the, the TVET sector or the higher education sector. All right, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, a very tricky question. If you ask me to identify the most influential Uh, it's difficult to say these two or these three are the most influential megatrends because what is seen as a megatrend depends on how a country views it or a sector or an activity views it. The next thing is megatrends are interrelated and you must not deal with them in silence. So what that suggests to me is that you can pick a number of megatrends and use them together and also know that they influence one another. And what I say here is one must be aware of how megatrends influence one another and the challenge that one plans. So if one considers picking a certain megatrend, also think of the effect it will have on other trends, other functions, other activities in your organization. So what, what I did then was to look at Noah and Gada and the other person together and to pick my own list, which I think may be useful for the TV sector. And the first one is this force majeure of the corona life. Whenever that ends, TV colleges are going to face huge challenges. And I think we, we also have to bear in mind that in light of climate change, all our countries, all countries in the world will be affected more and more by floods and droughts and tornadoes and heat spells. And one just has to have this at the back of one's mind that 
Whatever my plans are, there may be some action of God that may make me have to reject my plans. Next thing is budget pressure. I don't think that's news to you. We're all going to get less money from governments. And after this coronavirus, and as the government tries to rebuild the country, I don't know what the priority of TVEC will look like. Industries with which TVEC colleges have to work closely will be poorer. Many of them will have been wiped out. And there will be more state debt than ever. So you can expect budget pressures. The third thing comes from Harari, and I like this idea. That is that you have to plan to exist in an aging world or a world that's growing ever more populated. There are more older and fewer young people. And uh, just to, to give you a picture, say in 1970, there were 2.5 billion people on the world. And in the year 21,000, they will be 10.1 billion. But the good news about that is that will be the peak. It won't be more than that. Why is that? But we said there are more and more old people, fewer younger people. Now, what that means is uh, there will be fewer younger people because older people cannot parent children. And so at some stage, and some people say it could be 20 to 30 years, countries will have a shortage of young people so they can just carry on as they are. And you have to think about that. If you have fewer younger people, but you still have your role to play in society, how will you do it? Now, at, at the moment, what countries are doing is that they recruit younger people in other countries to shore up their populations, like the Australians and the New Zealanders and the English as well, by recruiting South African young people. Next thing is there will be a resource scarcity. I'm not talking about money and technology. We will have a shortage of water, of energy, and of food. All of those are tremendously important. Then there will be shifts in the labor market, more and more automation, more and more people working from home. 
So the labor market will need differently trained people. What skills are you going to provide them with? And the last thing is what I call geopolitical rebalancing. Now, if we think back to the history of the world, there was a time when Greece ruled the world. There was a time when Italy ruled the world. There was a time when the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish, ruled the world. Time when the Asian people ruled the world. There was a time when Great Britain ruled the world. And the previous century is known as the century ruled by the USA. That is going to change. We don't know which country is going to become dominant. People predicted it would be Asia, China, and Japan. They are the um, second and third biggest economies. But who knows after the coronavirus? It is possible that South America might become the most important a part of the world, you think of. It might be Africa. It might be Europe. And with that comes the question, what languages will dominate? And what religions will dominate? All right, so this is how I would group the different megatrends for a college if I Thank you so much, um, Prof Beckman. This was really, truly so helpful. And I hope that the course participants reflect on in terms of their own colleges, what you're reading also this week, and to bring it all together in your um, strategic plan as well. Next week, we are having another discussion with Prof Beckman um, in terms of the mega trends. And, and how you need to consider this. So please do the reading, but also cons uh, listen to the podcast as this um, assists you in terms of understanding and, put and putting it all together. Thank you so much for today, Prof. Beckman. Really, really appreciate um, your, uh, your knowledge and your expertise in terms of this. We will then see you next week in the next podcast. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome.